So uh, let me ask a question. Uh, all locations, so hello online, east, downtown, everybody watching. Uh, just a show of hands. Uh, who right now has a, a decision that you're processing about making, and it's not the, it's, you've got some multiple choices. Does anyone have, like, I'm, I'm not quite certain. Some of you aren't certain if you should raise your hands or not, which, <laughs> right, it's a trick question. No. Hey, uh, so we, we as a church have made it a priority to make sure that you and I, whether, whether you're new to following Jesus, maybe not sure if you're even going to, maybe you've dedicated your life to Jesus decades ago. We've decided that we are not okay with an indecisive approach to Jesus. That of all the things in this world that you and I can say maybe later on, or I'm not quite sure what to do, but you and I would say us and Jesus, He's a big deal, so we don't stay on the fence about it. You see what I did there? In case you have missed the launch of this series, let me show you a definition. Uh, off the fence to make a decision to stop delaying. The funny thing about this is uh, in the summer of 2020, uh, I, I'm, I'm on vacation and I'm talking to Katie, my bride, and I've got this this thing that I feel like God has shared with me. And I've been like, so here's, here's the thing. And it was, it was to write a book, which if you know my academic history, you're like, no, don't write a book ever. <laughs> Stop it. And I'll never forget, because it was difficult to take, but I told Katie, I was like, hey, I think God has you know, prompted me to do this. What I had forgotten is that I had said that same thing for multiple vacations in a row, just about the same spot. And she looked at me and said, either write it or stop bringing it up. <laughs> so I want you to know this conversation <clears throat> about making a decision, about saying, I'm not going to keep delaying what God is talking to me about. It's personal. And this applies to all of us because here's the core of this series. How do I move my connection to God? From religion, which most of us should say, that's not my ultimate objective in life. How do, how do I move it to an authentic relationship with my actual creator? How do I get there? And some of us right now begin to have, I got this idea and this idea. Like, well, what I get to tell you is Jesus already gave us a roadmap how to make sure that, it's, that you don't have to guess at this. You don't have to just isolate it into your desires or culture. He gave us a story. A story, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. Uh, you can find it in the Bible, Luke 15. But we started off talking about how a son goes to a dad and says, I want my inheritance and I want to early. He not only does that, which is, that's a little rude, but takes the inheritance, leaves the family home, and goes and just basically blows it. Wastes all of it, finds himself starving, destitute, looking at what is being fed to pigs, going, that kind of actually for the first time in my life looks good, and I'd like to have some of that. He isn't even allowed to have that. Finds himself so destitute, so lost, so rock bottom, that here's what happens. He goes, well, I'm gonna go back home, because that's the only place I know I can go, but I'm gonna go back home. I'm not gonna be son anymore. I'm gonna be servant. 
If you've ever screwed your life up, if you've ever had that decision where you are the one guilty of and whatever it is, you know that feeling that's inside of you going, we, I can never have a relationship with that person anymore. I can't, it can't ever be like I want it to be. That's how this son felt. And the cool thing about the story that Jesus tells us, oh, it's so good, is Jesus then begins to give us a roadmap, directions, compass, whatever navigation, I don't know what terms you use, but Jesus begins to give us out of this story of the son returning home, it gives us navigation on how to live a life devoted to Jesus. And it's pretty profound. So here's where we went for the first week. If you missed it, thanks to the internet, you can go get caught up, not right now, later. Luke 15, verse 20, so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. That's a big deal. As us as a church, we want to run to people. Uh, Embraced him and kissed him. It's ooey-gooey. Welcome to the movies, right? His son said to him, Father, I have sinned. He He gives this rehearsal line. I have sinned against both heaven and you. I've been wrong. Many people have asked me uh, this past week, Well, what about the jerks in our lives who are unrepentant? How do we run to them? Because I don't want to. I'll just say it for us all, right? Well, one of the factors you look here is that the son was repentant. And this is a big deal. So I'm hopefully just answering some questions that you were thinking about emailing me, which is fine if you do email me. But I think in this minute, I just want to answer that real quick. The son is coming back sorry for what played out. In fact, so repentant that he's actually entered a deeper, a bad level of shame. But his heart has changed. Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. This is where the curtain can close. And in the movies, oftentimes it does, and it gives you and I a misrepresentation of love, where we begin to think that love is simply, let me give you a hug. Oh, we're all great now. Uh, This kid was in the principal office multiple times, And when the principal said, you guys apologize and go back to class, I'm like, cool, I'm sorry, let's roll. And there was no authentic, I'm sorry here. It was was simple. I want to not be in trouble. And so the story is very incomplete here. But that's why Jesus didn't stop. Jesus keeps telling us stuff. And last week was the favorite sermon. This is not the favorite one. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger. If you don't know the details, that ring would have had probably an insignia on there of some sort, likely used to close letters up, seal, represent the family. Get a ring for his finger, meaning he's in the family. Sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening, which for those of us who love beef are like, oh, this is, I'm going to this party. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. You should ask yourself, when Jesus tells a story, why didn't he just stop at the part where the father embraces his son, kisses him, and basically says, all right, buddy, we're good. Why does Jesus keep telling the story? It's because of something you already know. I'm just going to say it for us. Love is more than good intentions and words. No amens. Hopefully at East, you guys amen that. 
Anyone married? Okay, just make it, I've got to do a test here to see if, has anyone been in, like, in any relationship where the other person was all words and maybe good intentions, not sure, but no actions? You, you, understand, you, you already know this, but we've got to bring it up because Jesus brings us up that life is not following Jesus. Living how to love others and love God well is not just, well, I love you. I like you. I'm all for you. There has to be something that tips this over. Because eventually you and I, if someone is all words and good intentions, eventually you land somewhere with the thought going, am I doing something wrong? Is this real? This seems one-sided. If you're interested in having more than a one-sided relationship with God, you gotta look what Jesus just taught. He just taught about irrational generosity. Now the reason we put these two words together is because a lot of times when we talk about loving someone, we think completely rationally. We, we decide that, well, I'm gonna love you um, if or unless, and we begin to, like rational thought, we begin to track out, okay, here's my escape clause, and then, and then this is kind of a, I do this, you do that, and we begin to get very rational about it, but the, what would just happen with this dad is, in fact, it upsets some people, we'll talk about that in the next week. Now, some of you are freaked out right now, which I thoroughly enjoy and somewhat don't want to address it, but I'm gonna address it so you'll listen to at least the rest of the sermon. You think, how in I've not been to church in months, and I come to church on the day the dude talks about money. How in the world? Can, can I just, um, let me speak about, let's stop calling generosity all about money. It's so much bigger than that. So I hope that you'll listen to the whole thing because I don't think that Jesus, when he tells the story, was doing a money talk. It's better than that. In fact, one of my favorite writers, C.S. Lewis, uh, wrote a book, Four Loves. He talks about the, the Bible specifically addresses the four kinds of, of love that we can offer each other. And, and then C.S. Lewis harps on one of them at the end, Agape 11. It's so powerful. And he brings up a couple of approaches to this, this good, perfect love. Uh, it, that the need love versus gift love. When you, think about, when you think about love and how you love another person, right now, if you want to think about your significant other, you're like, ah. Oh. Some of you are like, no, we fought on the way. No, no. Um, when you think about your kids, or what, when you think about, about how you love, think, just for a minute, think about how you love. C.S. Lewis differentiated between ways that we love. He gave a little bit more detail. Let me, let me give you a definition here. Need love is influenced by your wants. And let's just be very open now that sometimes, and this is not always bad, we love based on what we receive by offering that love. <clears throat> you. Again, no amens today, but it's fine because I know this is true. I myself have done this. I have, I have loved others so that, and it's not always like super selfish, but I've, I've loved people so they change. I, I've loved them so they would see how to love others. <laughs> but he talks about need love, but there's a, there's a powerful love that Jesus is talking about that C.S. Lewis addresses, gift love, influenced who? 
by their wants, meaning that, that I will love you based on what you want. This is where, where I begin to, to engage you personally and say, I know what you want, I know what's in your life, and to love you this way, I, this, is, this is for you. This is the example of God loving you and I. That he loves us, and we think that's really cool, but you know that he didn't have to love us. And you wonder, like, well, well what, what does God get out of all of that? And you, you end up not having the, the greatest list of all that God gets out of it. It's, it's when you love someone with no agenda, in essence, whenever I do a wedding and I'm talking to, I mean, this couple that, like, they're giving you ooey-gooey eyes and they're crying and it's, you know, and, and they're about to, like, say these vows to each other. But if you were to study the vows, you know what the vows are saying? They're, they're in essence saying that I'm going to love you based on what you want. That's my commitment. And then the powerful, profound thing about a marriage is when the other person says, that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to love you no matter what, and it's going to be all about you. That's the power of marriage when two people are living that way. C.S. Lewis, in, in his book, there's a quote, but since it is only too obvious that we can withhold ourselves. Come on, think about any relationship that that we can withhold ourselves, our wills and our hearts, we can withhold our hearts from God, we can, in that sense, also give them. I love that this brings this up, that you and I, every single day, get the privilege. That's why this generosity is not a money talk, it's a heart talk. That you and I each day get the privilege of not just withholding our heart from God. We get daily decisions to say, will I give my heart to God? And you're like, well, I did when I was eight, right? Come on. And that was great. That was great. But we all know in any relationship that that actually happens daily when we begin to give our heart and show our heart. Here's the problem. We talk about love as a feeling, but experience it through action. I know there's good songs that love is a feeling, and there's other songs that say it's more than a feeling. And and then we're all confused. You and I have got to come to a grip that if if, if, if we're gonna talk about following Jesus, Can we be a church that takes it further than feelings and good intentions? We've got to be that kind of a group of people who follow Jesus and say, not for the sake of earning his love, but for the sake of having an awesome relationship with him. God did this. He didn't just give us hugs. Uh, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world If you want to know, like, well, who's that? Is that the good people? Yes. And the bad people. And everyone in between. For God so loved the world. And most of us, uh, when we were younger, at least heard about this. If you ever showed up to Sunday school or church, if you ever watch football, you'll see the sign. What's John 3, 16? Who's that? That's not even a real number on a jersey, right? So we're like, John 3, 16, this is the verse. For God so loved, but watch, watch. For God so loved the world that he gave. This is why I don't think generosity is actually a money talk. I wholeheartedly believe 
That Jesus is telling us a story, not to just say, let's hug people and say with good intentions that we love them and we sure hope the best for them, but it's where you and I look at, but what do they need in their lives? Here's the question I want to tackle. How does a follower of Jesus approach generosity? You should, by the time we're done, know the answer. So, where's Pastor David going to go with this? Well, if you'd get your wallets and your purses out, and <laughs> I feel if I bring it up, it just might lighten the mood a little bit. Uh, let me show you what I think is Jesus' approach to generosity. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Now, this is not going to be taught in the media. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. My conclusion out of this, generosity is how we serve. And I believe that you and I have got to take this next step. This is what we're going to call our next step where we say, all right, enough talk about Jesus, enough of being on the fence about Jesus, enough of just watching other people make decisions for Jesus, enough of just watching other people devote their lives to Jesus and to experience the miracles of God and to see what God is doing, but not enough of that. We get off the fence. Generosity is how we serve. So you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've signed up, whether someone told you or not, to, to actually serve. And who do you serve? Anyone and everyone around you. You look for opportunities that God provides, and, and you just go, go, go. So how does this break down? Time, talent, and treasure is what we give. Now, oftentimes when I was in school, the teacher would like give us something like this. and be like, cool. Sure wish we had pictures. We have a picture for you. Here you go. So when you look at, if you're a note taker, this is, when you look at like, what do you have in your life to be generous with, according to scripture, and I'll show you them, according to the Bible, you and I have multiple ways to be generous. Time, talent, and treasure are the terminologies, but let's go through these. Let's, let's look at time. Time, Romans 12, 15, be happy with those who are happy. Guess what? You can't do that from afar. You have to give those happy people time. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Galatians 6, 1, share each other's burdens. Share each other's burdens. And, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. This is giving you and I an example that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that one of the things that you and I get the privilege of doing is walking alongside other people when they're happy and when they're sad. When they have burdens, like needing to move. Or, or, or when they have burdens, like... Like they're struggling with decision making or they're struggling with processing something. These are just a couple glimpses in scripture that one of the things that you have right now because guess what, you are breathing right now. So what you have today 
is the privilege of figuring out what you're gonna do with your time in such a way that you offer some of it as a heart offer to God. And there are so many ways to do this. But we do this because we know something to be true. Time is a gift, right? I don't intend to take you to the sad part of this truth. But you and I know that time is a gift. Don't others say that time is worth more than money? I wholeheartedly agree. You know where I see this playing out? Be careful with what I'm about to tell you. Uh, have you seen anything that looks at all like, like this? <laughs> Any, anyone? I mean, wow! Now some of you are like, oh David, let me tell you why. Did you see the election? Did you see what's, come on! Let me give you some more, maybe it's information you don't have, but maybe you already do, but let's just make sure that we all have the same amount of information. There is a massive, what they're calling a massive resignation. Now most of the articles you'll read about this is where leaders, many leaders, CEOs, uh, in my world, uh, tons and tons and tons of pastors uh, are, are resigning or planning to resign. They're blaming it on COVID, which I think is, is that's very wise. But what played out was the pressures that went on during that time, the amount of leadership that, that was coming out of people from all facets, from a small business to a, a large corporation, to churches, to even families. The pressure began to twist some things and reveal some brokenness and wear people out. And so now, if you want to know what they're going to say about our history books eventually someday, is there's this great resignation. There's this great people uh, pulling back. It's not just jobs. I'm not asking your opinion about haunted houses, but I do know that in our area, some haunted houses aren't even happening this year, and the sole purpose, whole reason they aren't, is they don't have enough volunteers. The amount of things that you and I are not seeing being planned has nothing to do with the dangers of COVID. It's they can't rally enough people to be a part of it. The, the now hiring every single place I think I've gone is a, is a small symptom, I'm telling you, of a society that went to the fence, sat on the fence, and has not gotten off the fence. If you've ever gone on vacation, that first day at work for most of us is not like, finally I'm back at work! Yes! That has spread throughout the church as well. A lot of times when I preach about generosity, I address what has historically been the worst part of Fountain Springs, and that has been finances, uh, the treasure part. I'll tell you right now, there are things that we do not do as a church because we simply do not have people serving. You don't need to hear the numbers, I'm just gonna tell you. It's time. Please look at me. It's time to start serving others. It's time to get off the fence and figure out how to make a portion of your time every single day and week and month and year a way that you are offering it to God, showing heart, putting action behind good intentions. Now there's more. 
There's the talent. The scripture will tell you that it's not just show up and sit. Uh, Romans 12, uh, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraged. Now, some of you are going to misread this. Well, my gift is obviously not encouraging others, so I get my off the hook. I don't do that. No, this is, this is highlighting that many of us, because of our personalities and actual just gifts the Holy Spirit's given us, they're different and even elevated. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. There's tons of people already. I, I ask for stories. There's people who are good at math, not myself. There are people who are good at math that help the church out and count things. Huh? There, there are people uh, who are good with their hands. They can, they can chop stuff and cut things and measure it accurately, right? And they often fix things and build things. There are people who just care about kids who say, you know what? I don't want the next generation to be lost, so they teach kids. There are people who even have learned how to make coffee. Thank you. God for those people. (laughs) Finally, the amen that I've been, finally. You don't need me to rattle off a bunch more. You know, uh, I had a personal trainer for a while and uh, I hated him. I asked God, I was like, God, help me with this sermon, and he brought my attention to that memory. My goal is not to get you to like me right now, but my goal is to give you truth, and I'm gonna tell you, we as a church are not very good right now at offering our time and our talents. Let's get off the fence. Now the one you expected. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. We're going to start doing that. We've asked Jesus to show up. And he, I'm just kidding. Just, Jesus sat down near the collection box uh, in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Woo! Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more. Interesting, he would say more. Mathematically, that's incorrect. I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they have a tiny part of their surplus. They gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. If you ever wonder, what am I supposed to get from that, David? God cares a lot about why we give and why we don't give. If you wonder, does God care a whole lot about the actual amount? I'm not certain about that. I am absolutely certain that he wants to know and does know your why you don't and why you do. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, who has written lots of things I don't understand, but I do understand this. Our hearts have room for only one all-embracing devotion. And we can only cleave to one Lord. Every competitor to that devotion must be hated. That's strong language. Huh. 
As Jesus says, there is no alternative. Either we love God or we hate him. We are confronted by an either or. Either we love God or we love earthly goods. Let's bring this back to God. Some of us all of a sudden got comfortable when we talked about treasure. God's love for us compelled him to give to us. I want you to see what God did with his love. What the model that we have from God, if, you, if you're like a follower of Jesus Christ, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna interpret this from the Old Testament and the New Testament, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna tweak this, but let's just look at God. How did God take love and bring it out and make it alive and physical, more than good intentions and happiness and feelings? It compelled him to give to us. So if you missed the first sermon, Here's what we're doing in this series. It's called uh, a fence check. How will your love for God compel you to give? I hope by now you've gotten your brains far beyond it being just a money talk. So maybe though, uh, you're like, well, which one do we choose? Time, talent, or treasure? You, You choose all three. As long as God gives you all three, you pull from all three and give to God. And this is where many of us are like, but I can't. I can't. And I understand that. So uh, let me give you some language that we use as a church going, how do I begin to live irrationally generous? Because most of us are like, I can't even get to generous, let alone irrational part of it. Like, how do I start walking this out? Good question. Uh, you move from nothing to something. That's how life works, okay? You, you just, you're like, I, I don't serve at all, David. Well, then sign up for one time. Do something this week. Like, just find an opportunity and do it. You're like, well, what about the next week? Don't think about that right now. Just do it one time. Just nothing to, to something. And then after that, something to schedule. If you don't like schedules, if you're a hippie, here's what I'm just saying, here's what I'm saying. Like, what I'm saying, this is, this is terminology just to move you outside of random. Stop being so random about it. None of us would be cool with a romantic relationship where the other one randomly celebrated our anniversary based on their moods. You feel the nervous laughter? You're like, oh, yeah. High expectations on that stuff. Why don't we give that to God too? Why not schedule stuff with God as well? Why not let God be the most important in our lives, so important that we, in essence, automate it. We say, this is when it happens, and then it happens again, and then it happens again, and it's so automated, you just do it. My wife made a good point. She makes lots of really good points, lots of them. And she she showed me something that I I didn't have language for it. There was a day that when you signed up for something, you know what that meant? That you were going to be there. Do you remember those days? Like you literally, you signed up, I will. Uh, our, our kids play football and one of them, they, they volu- tell you to volunteer. You know what I'm talking you know about? And, and I remember a great woman, uh, she, and, and she was right, she brought like the sign up sheet right in front of me. She's like, David, would you like to volunteer? Yes, I would like to volunteer. And I signed it, I put, I told Katie when we would bring snacks and when I would 
be a part of the chain gang and all that. Uh, my mind went to, I just signed up for something that I'm going to be at, and I know I'm going to be at. I texted her the dates and the times. I put it into my calendar right then and there. It's locked in. Here's what Katie taught me. That was the old way. Now when we sign up, it's what I'm going to try to, and maybe I'm going to think about it. I'm, I'd like to. Can we be a church that when we say we do it, we do it? And once you've got it scheduled and you're like, you're in this world of irrational generosity, you move from scheduled to sacrificial. What does that mean? That means you actually begin to live a different kind of life. You, you actually make different financial decisions based on what you're giving away. You don't sign up for certain things because you have already declared that a part of your calendar every week is devoted to doing something for God. You don't, you don't do all of your like, money-making out of all of your side hustles. That You might have a side hustle that is offered for free. You, you know what I'm saying? You begin to say, you know what? This is going to be sacrificial. I am going to, in essence, take losses on this for the sake of saying I love and also I give. Does that make sense? So, I, I grew up in the church. My dad was the pastor. And we would get to lunch, and he would ask the inevitable question, hey, kids, what was your favorite part of this sermon? Oh, man. I was drawing action figures on the offering envelopes, <laughs> um, writing notes to my friends, and I, I had zero idea what was preached on. So it was my gift to you how does Fountain Springs Church interpret being irrationally generous? What do we do with the part of the story where not only does the father hug him and kiss his son, but all of a sudden he's like, get him the best robe, which would have been his dad's robe. Get him the ring. He's back in the family. Kill the best beef we've got in the area. Let's, let's make a whole party and a feast and restore this relationship. How do you and I make sure that you and I are constantly irrationally generous? How do we do that? Very simple. Run from zero. What do I want my kids living the rest of their lives thinking? We run from zero. Anytime you and I are sitting, whether one-on-one -on, -one on coffee, maybe you're by yourself, and you're like, man, my relationship with God seems mundane, boring, apathetic, lukewarm. I feel like God isn't using me. Then your question, your first question is, what zero are you giving God? Where is it? Because you'll find it. You will find time, talent, and treasure. There will be one of those three that you have probably withdrawn from God and said, God can't have that right now because I don't have enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources. And we as a church have decided we run from zero. You want to have the nerdy conversations of David? Uh, is it 10%? Is it 33%? Is it, what? is it one day a week, one hour? Is it, is it, no, run from stinking zero. And if you will do that the rest of your life, you will find yourself in one of the most fulfilling relationships you've ever had in all of your life with your creator. Run from it. We can be the church Jesus wants us to be. We can. But we've got to take this to heart. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, would you stir in us an uneasiness, Lord, um, God, would you awaken us 
as a church. I pray for all the churches in the whole region, but God, specifically, I want to put Fountain Springs Church at your feet, and Lord, would you stoke a fire that is holy and supernatural. God, would you do a work in in our souls that says we're tired of the problems that we see. God, would you do a work in us, in the families, in the roommates, in in the students, in the kids, in the adults. Would you reignite your church so that those who are far from you and desperate for you would discover that you are right with them? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.